Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome and debonair co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. gentlemen. That was so awesome. I clinked Ivan. That's the first time I clinked Ivan. Yeah, that clink was so awesome. Never clink Ivan. Um, And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. Um, And if this is your first time listening to, if this is your first time listening to us, you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. Okay. So, so how are you guys doing? You doing good? Good. Yeah, I'm okay. Feels, okay. I like your, it's been your, a while. How was your July, uh, little July 4th break? We took a couple weeks off. How no about, aliens. Yeah. I, uh, did anyone actually see Independence Day Resurgence? No. <laughs> no big flop. <laughs> big flop. No. So, no, I didn't. Sorry, fans. Yeah. I, I, you know, I got all pumped up to see it because I actually enjoyed rewatching Independence Day. And then I was like, meh. <laughs> yeah, the reviews were so <laughs> terrible and middling. That yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you guys... Um, I'm not to get digress too much. I don't know if you noticed this, but like, I feel like there's like this cultural consciousness thing where like there's certain movies that critics like piling down on and there's certain ones that get a little bit of a pass. Like, like a great example of this is uh, like Indiana Jones and the, uh, Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull, like that movie has like eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, mm. and it's like it's like critics were like afraid to give it a bad review. Mm-hmm. And then there's other movies that are like bad, but like not so bad that they deserve like five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Anyway, yeah, well, it, yeah, Star Wars prequels are all positive on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, those are pretty universally uh, reviled. But anyway, not to digress too much, we're going to talk about a movie this week, guys. That is not universally reviled. We're going to talk about a classic movie, a classic action film, uh, directed by Richard Donner and uh, written by Shane Black, starring Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. That's right. We're talking about Lethal Weapon. Four. No, we're not. Just <laughs> the first one. Just the first one. Lethal Weapon. Can I, can I, can I, can I play the tra- trailer now, Dave? <laughs> yes, please. He's a criminal's worst nightmare. A cop who enjoys the danger. No dogs, no jujitsu, just bring him down. Do you really want to jump? Well, then that's fine with me. Come on. Wait, I what do you mean? Do Wait a minute. What the hell? He was ready to retire. Now, he's going to wish he had. Gun! Oh! 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 Raj, meet your new partner. New partner? <laughs> Too old for this. If these guys can just stand each other. What you got in there? Boy and Smith? A lot of old timers carry those. Okay, so yes, we are talking about Lethal Weapon. Mm. Uh, and as Dave mentioned, this is a long-running action franchise, one that has run uh, for four movies. Uh, uh, Lethal Weapon 1, although, and I think 4 came out in 98, so it was going on for a 10-year, a decade of movies. Um, and Lethal Weapon 1 is the one that started it all. It's a famous movie for a variety of reasons. One, uh... We like we're in this like superhero orgy right now at the box office, but in the late '80s, early '90s, we were in a cop action movie orgy where like every movie was like about tough guys who were cops, you know, trying to clean up drugs and crime. Like that was the superhero movie of the late '80s and '90s, and we started all these big franchises like Die Hard and uh, you know True Lies and uh, Terminator Two. That's a sci-fi movie, but still, act, that's still an action movie in my head. And uh, you know, we had the Lethal Weapon series, and it's also pretty notable because it was written by Shane Black and Shane Black is now probably one of the most high profile um, 
writers and also directors of films. He recently had a film called The Nice Guys come out uh, that hit theaters, and he's kind of this connoisseur of the buddy cop genre and kind of revitalized it a bit with Lethal Weapon. So this is a movie that focuses on uh, Mel Gibson's character named Riggs and Danny Glover's character Murtaugh, who become partners. One's a loose cannon, the other one's a family man, (laughs) and together they join up to stop... um, I don't know, a, a drug, a drug underground drug ring in Los Angeles. Uh, is that is that pretty good? That's for, yeah, yeah, pretty that's, good. It's pretty good. Pretty 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 good. Pretty good. <laughs> um, so I saw this movie a few times. I have trouble remembering the differences between the Lethal Weapons. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I realized in rewatching this movie that I get Lethal Weapon one and two confused apparently, uh, but. Um, huh. What do you guys think about Shane Black? What do you guys think about Lethal Weapon? Um, I'm going to start with you, Dave, because I know that you're a big Shane Black fan. So I thought I would start with you first, just to kind of give me uh, uh, your, your 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 opinion on that kind of thing and and your thoughts on Lethal Weapon. I'm not a big Shane Black fan, but oh, I, I, never mind. <laughs> I mean, I, I I mean, so we think about the movies that Shane Black is notable for, right? He's Lethal Weapon. Uh, have you guys seen The Long Kiss Goodnight with? Uh, Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, I have. Nope. And I enjoy that uh, movie. That was uh, uh, the last Boy Scout, the Bruce Willis movie. Yep, he did a rewrite on and Last Action Hero. He, oh, he did. Okay. Uh, he um, he made a directorial debut with a film called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That was which, very good. Which revitalized Downey Jr.'s career. Right. Um, he also directed Iron uh, Man Three and wrote co-wrote Iron Man Three. Right. And recently did The Nice Guys. So he right. hasn't like made a billion movies. Uh, right. He's um. It's funny because. Lethal Weapon was one of the most high-profile specs to ever get made. It was back in a time when Hollywood would take young writers and give them a bunch of money and buy their screenplays, which does not happen anymore. Um, And he became so high-profile that he got paid the most money a screenwriter has ever gotten paid to write the movie The Long Kiss Goodnight. Mm -hmm. It got like this huge bidding war, uh, which is funny because that movie didn't make a ton of money at the box office. So um, he was very hot in Hollywood for a period of time. yeah. yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, overall, I mean, here's here's my history with Lethal Weapon. Is I actually saw Lethal Weapon two first because I I, I think I was just at the. Uh, I think I did too. Isn't that I th- weird? I, I think number uh, part two came out in eighty nine and this came out in eighty seven and uh, eighty nine. I was at just the right age to start paying attention to movies like in the newspaper eighty eight eighty nine, and uh, that's when I remember seeing ads for Lethal Weapon two and I ended up seeing it on VHS and I remember the opening scene of Lethal Weapon two. Not to talk about the the, the sequel too much, but. Uh, it starts off with a car chase where uh, uh, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson are, are I, I guess, he, eventually Mel Gibson jumps out of the car and starts running after uh, running after some drug dealers. And then Danny Glover says, oh, not again. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, not again? Of course, you have to see the first one to realize that, you know, Mel Gibson likes to, Mel Gibson's character, uh, Riggs, likes to chase cars like a dog. <laughs> so that, um, that happens to the first one? In the first one, yeah, eventually he, uh, you know, near the near the climax of the movie, wait, he's, wait, Mike, did you wa- up- did you watch the movie for the podcast? <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it anyway. <laughs> right. So at the end of Lethal Weapon, uh, not to just jump to the end, uh, you know, uh, Mel Gibson is running after a car through the streets of L.A. at night, and uh, you know, he he actually sells that moment. He actually, he actually believe that Mel Gibson can maybe maybe run fast enough on the freeway to catch a car which eh, I don't know yeah probably couldn't do that in real life well, Mel, but, Gib- uh, Mel Gibson is one of the great cinematic runners, and the other one is Tom Cruise. Yes, uh, both those guys know how to run. No, wait, wait. Who's the guy that. who looks weird when he runs? 
Wait, are you is making it, fun of Tom Cruise? I think it might be Tom Cruise. He runs really weird. He, well, runs, he just runs intensely all the time. Yeah, like every movie is him intensely yes. running. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's funny. Like I was um, like it's it's hard to run in a way that looks good on camera. Uh, not Thank to digress. You. you know, like if if you watch me run, it would look like someone's dying. Hmm. Uh, That's so. most things you do. Though. Well, I guess <laughs> if you run really, really fast, <laughs> if you're if you're just taking a jog, it probably looks dumb. But Tom Cruise is always trying to run like uh, he's you know he commits, like, man. Yeah, he commits. And and I would say in this movie, uh, Mel Gibson commits, and that's uh, I think what uh, you know to jump right to the point. I, I think Lethal Weapon is a uh, very good movie. I don't know if it's a classic movie in the way that, say, Die Hard is in the 80s. I think if we were going to give an action movie like the action movie, the 80s, it, you know, action movie mantle, I would definitely give it to Die Hard over this movie. But um, this movie has a lot going for it. And, and uh, I think the two biggest things it has going for it are the, are the two leads, uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. And I think Danny Glover is probably the person I, I you don't think as much about because his role isn't quite as showy. Um but uh, I think that they are pr- pretty much on par with each other in terms of quality of performance. And, you know, we should just I preface some of our discussion by saying we're going to try to not talk. It's hard not to think too much about Mel Gibson's future, right? His eventual history, what happened what happened with him in real life, um, you know, the, the kinds of movies oh, he would I, go I, on to make. And, wait a and minute. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Dave. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, what happened to Mel Gibson? He has a vibrant career in yeah, Hollywood. He's yeah. one of the most beloved stars in the world. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know what you're talking uh, about. Yeah. Things. It's, you know, he's, he's just one of those actors that you want. You're like, yeah, he, Dave, Dave's he, talking as if. Actors. He blamed the Jews. He blamed the Jews for all the wars in the world. <laughs> was, he th- was he thinking that when he was like uh, taking on like in, in the second Lethal Weapon? There, uh, the villains are uh, South like Africa. South African racist, you know, dictators. <laughs> so, like, we're, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, you know, Mel Gibson is very convincing. Um, is a very intense actor. And uh, it, this is the perfect role for him to be intense, and even more so than say something like Mad Max. Um, I, I would say this movie really is something is probably the role that really made Mel Gibson a, a star and Danny Glover a star as well uh, for doing um, his own. Uh, I don't I don't know if you would really call it a shtick, but you know he Danny Glover became very good at playing much older than he really is, and I didn't realize until this viewing that he was only 40 years old when he made this movie yeah it's, wow. it's, and I just turned 40 well, no, it is, and I'm not too old for this shit it, it is interesting <laughs> um, that you bring that up because um, like Danny Glover like it, it, yeah you, you think he's much older than he is but he's still like around like he's older now yeah. obviously but he's still around and I was like how old was he when he made Lethal Weapon if he's yeah. like only 70 whatever now so yeah. yeah so very interesting Mel Gibson was 30 he was 40 of course Mel Gibson is playing someone who's supposed to be in his late 30s and, and Danny Glover is playing someone who's 50 so you know, I always wondered how is Mel Gibson a Vietnam veteran in this movie because it probably takes place in 86 mm-hmm. and he's like 30 you know, in this movie but I guess if you add on a few more years and it's possible that he was like an 18 year old recruit in the special forces right like right exactly or whatever they do they actually do give uh, he says something about being 19 okay in the movie when he was like in the special forces so mm-hmm. um yeah i mean that kind of makes sense timeline wise so i mean this is interesting i thought you were going to be like jizzing all over lethal weapon I, you can't really i mean it's it's good it's good it's a good interesting movie. okay mike mm. i'm guessing you've never I, i'm guessing you never even heard of lethal weapon <laughs> you are wrong i've seen it actually what <laughs> i've heard of it Damn and it. i've seen it that is i'm really i'm over today yeah um, yeah you look real wh- silly what? 
what are your thoughts on on the, on the lethalists of the weapons? Um, have we decided, is it the most lethal weapon, or is it just, like, a lethal weapon? Like, just any run-of-the-mill, deadly weapon, like a gun or maybe a knife. Is it the most? Is it, like, the highest of guns, top gun, or is it... Yeah, it's the, it's the top, it's the highest of guns. Why do they not yes. call it lethalist weapon? Like, I don't... <laughs> Uh, the title, uh, do you want me to actually, are you being sarcastic, right? Yes, because, yes, I'm being, okay. anyway, okay. no, so, <laughs> to get to the point, um, I liked it, I thought, I, th- I think it's good, it's an action movie, and I, you know my stance on action movies, they tend to not really pull me in too deep, right, I think it's, it's good, I think, that, I think you have two really good characters who have good on-screen, uh, chemistry, I think they're both very charismatic, and I think it's like a decent enough story to kind of carry you through the, however long it is, I don't even know, it didn't feel very long, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think I think Danny Glover is one of my favorites. I think Mel Gibson. I don't know if I'd say he's one of my favorites because I haven't seen a lot of his stuff. But I, you know, I think he's fantastic. I think it's a real shame um, what happened. You know, how he went off the deep end lately, and then just being dragged through the mud and all that crap. Um, it is a shame because he's a really good, really charismatic actor. And you kind of look at a movie like this, and you're like, maybe he's not acting. Maybe he's just. <laughs> crazy in general and he's yeah. just hanging out in front of the camera for like you know as a, he's definitely good at tapping into some sort of like uh torture tortured quality tortured psyche yeah well see what's interesting is that i think his best work so there's the scenes where he has to act crazy and i felt like he was acting crazy like where he just kind of you know does the whole like oh i'm just gonna get you know big eyes and start yelling really fast and you know whatever getting i'm, I'm crazy and mm-hmm. like that doesn't really do it for me right but the scene where he's like considering killing himself with a picture of his his um his passed away his wife who's passed away, um that scene my god was it was brilliant it's great and it is someone it is a man at the end of his rope he looks like he's in agony, um and it's convincing I'm like man he is really good because up until that point you see a couple scenes where he's like oh look I'm being kooky crazy I'm yelling at people and I wasn't buying it and then that scene I'm like okay yep we're good like that's that's. It was real. It feels like he actually had something very traumatic happen to him at some point and was just kind of tapping into it again. I'm sure that is the case. Um, he, and he tapped into that same quality in Braveheart eventually. Yeah. I'd say, you know, at the beginning of Braveheart where he has to, like, you know, be a man who's lost everything or whatever. Yeah, and we, we've talked time and time again about a lot of these action movies in the 80s and the ones that are done well, they're ones that show your heroes as vulnerable and weak and in pain. And, like, again, this is, like, a scene that I feel like we just we lose. We don't see that now. We see, we see actors who are just... You know, now I feel like I could see a scene with some guy where he's like smoking or drinking whenever he looks at a picture, but you don't really ever see him get to this almost embarrassing, you know, he's sobbing, he's bawling. Like, that's so rare. And I think it's so needed in the movie because it makes, it grounds the character, makes you understand that he's a human being. Um, and then it kind of puts everything else into context. Um, yeah, that aside, I think, like I said, the plot, yeah, it's fine. Standard, <laughs> standard mm-hmm. 80s anti drug. <laughs> movie that's cool i like all the you know the the standard 80s cigarette jokes that was good um but well i mean how many of these movies were really around before lethal weapon i mean i mean uh, drugs weren't like a new thing in, in movies but i mean they weren't you know uh, kind of uh this is this even this movie was made made and uh, uh released before die hard even so i'm well i think it's important to i mean i think i feel like i've said this every podcast but like 80s uh, like late 80s was like the time of Reagan and the really big war on drugs began then. So we as a society like really started looking uh, like the se- 60s and 70s were all about free reign of drug use. And the 80s was everyone telling people that they couldn't do drugs anymore. So I think it's interesting that all the action movies were about like heroin and cocaine being transported places. Yeah, so, that's interesting. Yep. Um, but um, so here's my thoughts, guys. 
on Lethal Weapon. I think it's... I don't think this movie is as good as people remember it being. Like, this, yeah. I think this movie is often, you know, heralded as being... I mean, as Dave, Dave would not call it a classic because Dave only designates very few movies classic. But <laughs> when you talk about classic action franchises, I think that people would mention Lethal Weapon in that conversation. Um, That's because it's only in the most one of the most prolific right with the same directors and the same actor. yeah but i mean that's a big deal i mean for yeah. it to be popular popular enough to spawn four sequels obviously people were, were really into these movies um here's the thing i think that both danny glover and mel gibson are really good in this movie and i like their characters i just think that the plot is kind of dumb and i think that the uh, the like the the story itself just never grabs me in this movie, and I don't think the a- none of the action sequences are good enough, in my opinion, to really like get my tension rising. Like Die Hard still like works for me on an action movie level. Like I find that movie engrossing. Uh, you know, how is John McClane going to get out of this situation? And and I and I think that, that movie evolves in a really creative way. Where *The Lethal Weapon* feels a lot of very standard actiony movie stuff, and it, it it's got that same kind of bland action that a movie like. Beverly Hills Cop does, but it doesn't have, I don't think, the pure comedy that that movie does to kind of help balance that out. There are funny moments in this movie, and Shane Black is a very good um, comedic joke writer. He's a good punchline joke writer. He he would have been really... Shane Black should have been born in the 1930s or 40s, because <laughs> he would have been all over the film noir. Like, he loves that stuff. Like, every one of his movies all plays on film noir tropes. He loves hard-boiled pulp uh, cop type stuff and that's shown in this movie based on I mean just by the way it's shot and it, not sorry not shot the way um, just like little touches like the fact that it's raining in LA all the time it doesn't rain in LA and they have like the climactic fight sequence in the rain right. and uh, you know little things like that are well, very new it's a fire hydrant I think yeah yeah Oh boy! I believe the opening sequence you see a wet street in Burbank, California, and a street has never been wet in Burbank, California. Let me tell you. So, by the way, I want to talk about that end fight scene because oh yeah, but lots of issues. It begs being talked about. (laughs) But I mean, as I rewatched this movie, I enjoyed moments. I enjoyed lines. I enjoyed uh, isolated uh, interactions between these two characters, but. A couple things that really bothered me, I, as Mike said, I, I really, I do like the fact that they make Gibson kind of vulnerable and somewhat relatable, but the dead wife thing is really freaking cliche, almost to the point where, and, and it's not even, it's not even slightly cliche, it's like overblown cliche in the movie. Yeah. Like, staring at a picture of your loved one and crying is like the most, is for me, is like the worst cinematic convention. And then... Visiting the grave of your dead loved one—that's even—that's double. Uh, yeah, bad. I'll say that. Okay, I'll say this about it. Um, I think yes, it is cliche, but I think the minute his performance turns on, it doesn't bother me as much anymore. However, the end when he visits her grave—like what? What? Where did that come from? Why do we need that? Yeah, it, Why was that important? It, like, we, it just doesn't really work yeah. in a. And it's just trying to you know it, it gilds the lily a little bit too much. And the thing is with this movie is I think that Shane Black got a chance to make a big budget feature or write a big budget feature potentially before he was ready. He wrote this movie originally in college and then he made subsequent revisions, but it feels like a young writer's movie to me. And I think he ends up evolving a lot better and he perfects it when you get to a movie like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. 
Um, it's like he had learned, took all the things he had learned, busting his chops in movies like this, and got there. But for some reason, Lethal Weapon hits at this time in the late '80s when we are just craving these action movies and becomes like this mega hit. So I'm, I, that, I mean, the whole point, the thesis of the show is: Do old movies hold up? And I'm not totally convinced Lethal Weapon does. I think it's fine. Like as Dave said, I think it's fine, but I just don't think it's a great movie. But what is this rated on IMDb right now? Let's let's find out. It's rated almost an 8.0, which is it's rated a 7.6, 7.6. which is pretty high. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty high for a. I think it's fairly accurate. You think that's right? Yeah. This I is think like so. a this is a five or six this for me. This is like a a five or a six. Yeah. 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 See, well, you're saying the story's stupid and the story's dumb. I mean, I think the uh, the drug smuggling story is a little cliche, not necessarily dumb, but I think the story between of the two. Uh, you know the actual story of the movie is the partnership between these two characters, and and the and there's an actual character arc for both, and I think that's an interesting uh, story that still, you know, pulls me in emotionally. At least at least for me, it did. I mean, I I you know, I think it especially uh, holds up if you watch it. Uh, I, I watched it back to back, not back to back, but I watched Lethal Weapon two, which has its uh, own qualities. I'd say it's actually one, one of the better community. sequels. Yeah, it's yeah, it's got its own. Qualities, at least open to. What was they that? Really, they, they, they really sand down the. They really sand the diplomatic edges off community. of. Um, oh yeah, diplomatic community. It's been revoked. <laughs> Just been revoked. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. It's got some. You know, and you got Joe Pesci for some comic relief in that movie too. I think I like Lethal Weapon two better. Yeah, maybe uh, I can see. Maybe. And maybe that's just my memory of those movies getting mixed up. I don't remember Lethal Weapon three at all. The, the Lethal- thing about Lethal Weapon two is that it takes. Uh, all of the like, there's really no reason to call it Lethal Weapon because there's never really a moment in Lethal Weapon Two where you think that this character is actually endangering the lives of of the, you know the people he's supposed to be protecting. Which I think is the the idea behind Lethal Weapon. Right. Is that that uh, you know Mel Gibson's character shouldn't really be a police officer because he should be in like a mental institution or something. And um, Lethal Weapon Two kind of you know it just it, it, all all the rough edges are kind of gone from his character. He's like hanging out with uh, you know. By the end of Lethal Weapon, he's he's become he's he's reached kind of the goal of, of of finding like another family, right? That's kind of what he's looking for. His character has lost his family, lost his wife, and is looking to you know you know whether he knows it or not, he's looking for you know a family, and he finds that at the end of uh, he has a partner, uh, he becomes accepted by and brought you know one of the last scenes at the house. I'm watching it, looking at some of it right now. He's actually he goes into the house with Danny Glover, has dinner. Uh, he's invited. Maybe it's Thanksgiving or Christmas. It takes place during Christmas. Christmas, yeah. And um, and and that's kind of the end of his character's arc in *Lethal Weapon* too. They have they have to add on another girl and have her kill off. And it's you know it's not to spoil that movie, but you know it's it's a good movie. Oh, you just did. Sorry. Well, hey, hey. I mean, yeah. Well, sorry. No, sorry, I. I that it, it's a fair point, Dave, because. You're right. I, I do agree that their relationship is genuinely really well done. And I really like the idea, as like from a character standpoint, that this guy who's lost his family finds a new surrogate family. And I like it even more. Um, I think it's really bold that a movie in the late 80s makes the family man a black family. Mm. Um, and maybe that's because of the Cosby show. When did the Cosby show come yeah, out? Yeah, this was right at the height of the Cosby show. So maybe it's it's kind of like that Cosbyization of pop culture. But I think it's kind of ballsy that he makes the normal people. And like we're talking about a, a culture that is afraid currently to put black people on the screen. So I think it's really awesome in this movie that, 
you know, the, 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 the normal family with a good, healthy relationship with his wife and all his kids is Danny Glover's character. Yeah. And Mel Gibson's character is the crazy one. So right. I, I think that, you know, it, it's well, because you imagine you couldn't possibly imagine them switching roles. in this. Right? I don't know. Danny Glover's a pretty baller actor. Yeah. He's a great actor, but I mean, you, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I don't know. Has Mel Gibson ever played like a straight laced like a do-gooder guy. Um, He's always like a guy on the edge or whatever. (laughs) That is kind of his thing, which is really funny when, you know, his public persona is him going crazy and off the edge that he plays all these psychopaths in movies. I mean, there's like the famous meme of him yelling, give me back my son from uh, Ransom. Ransom, right. Um, So he definitely, he has got a little bit of a crazy glint in his eye. He's always damaged (laughs) in some way. Um, and even in a movie like The Patriot, where he's supposed to be playing the family man, uh, which is this ridiculously over-the-top movie about the American Revolutionary War, yeah. in that movie, literally every one of his children is killed in front of his eyes. Right, yeah. So- <laughs> yeah, he has, yeah, he's got he's to gotta become completely unhinged by the end of that movie. So, um, yeah, he, he's a dark guy, and he does harness that well. So I, I, do, I guess that is fair point, but I don't know. I just think that they could have gone a million different ways for this movie, they could have cast Kevin Klein as Danny Glover's character. They could have cast a million other, you know, straight laced right. white actors to be the family man, and they they went this direction, which I think is interesting. Yep. And there's something about Danny Glover's voice. Oh, the he's way, excellent. His voice is it's yeah. just it's 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 like it feels like he's been smoking cigarettes since he was he's been two years old <laughs> like to have that kind of rasp in your voice is just yeah. fantastic it's not even just a rasp it's the way he says certain things it's it's just it's the the timbre of his voice his is uh execution ah, i'm too old for this shit like he's just good yeah. he's real good yeah and uh it's just a case of like movies i've talked about this before are a culmination of a lot of different random things working out perfectly to make something good. And this is just a case of great casting. Like, these guys are really well yeah. cast in both these roles. Now, um, the problem is, when you view this movie from a modern lens, it's just all the cheesy stuff feels extra cheesy. Like, when bad guys die in this movie, like, they do that 80s, like, action movie thing of flailing around. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like, when people get shot in this movie, it looks like they're at a stunt show in Six Flags. Like, yeah. every person's like, Bleh! And they all fall uh, ridiculously. Um, they did get Gary Busey yes. before the time Gary Busey oh, has gone yes. insane. And, oh, yes. and Gary Busey he's makes a great in this movie. He makes a great villain. Yeah. Um, the problem is his he's character, no Alan Rickman, but he's good. <laughs> I think he's really well cast. I don't think his character is given anything to do. Is the problem, Josh, like, Mr. Joshua? Because I mean, Alan Rickman's character. Alan Rickman's great, obviously, but Hans Gruber is a fantastic character. Yeah. This guy is just a boring character yeah. who happens to be played by a good, a well cast actor. I'll give you that one. Um, because I mean, I don't know. It's just it, yeah, they don't really flesh out the villains nearly as. I mean, that's again, that's probably one of the main reasons that this movie doesn't hold up as well as a movie like Die Hard. The villain, the villains uh, aren't nearly as interesting, and. Uh, you know, that's something that Die Hard just kind of like struck gold with. I feel like his best just, scene is the scene with the lighter. Oh, when he's burning that dude's hand. Yeah, well, when uh, when Gary oh. Busey is getting his hand burned, I think that's his his yeah. his most oh, complex right. scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I'll be completely honest. I don't really understand the plot of this movie at all. Like, I, I uh, even after watching it, I don't even understand. I don't even understand why they're trying to kill Riggs and Murtaugh. Like, I don't get. 
any of that, <laughs> to be honest with you. It makes no sense to me. Can you maybe explain to me like what their goal is? Like, okay, well, I'm going to try. This is Dave Glanz tries to explain the plot of the movie. Okay. In two sentences. And <laughs> you no, 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 no. There's no way. In five two sentences. sentences. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I'm going to watch right, on my audition so, right uh, now. So you have 30 seconds. <laughs> to explain starting, lethal weapon. Starting... Now. All right. So you have Danny Glover. He's on the cusp of retirement, right? No, He's partnered no, with him. too much. Oh, God. Wait, you can't interrupt him. You're going to give him another start. Okay. Uh, you have 30 seconds. Talk about the crime starting, What is their plan? Starting now. All right. You have Danny Glover. He's on the cusp of retirement. Jeez. He's partnered with Mel Gibson, who's a crazy cop, suicidal. And uh, Danny Glover finds out that a friend of his uh, from the war, who he owes in a debt, who's I think he owes a debt to, probably for saving his life, his daughter has committed suicide, and uh, upon some investigation, he finds out that the daughter was actually murdered by, you know, they gave her drugs or some kind of, you know, extra drug to whatever. So they investigate the case, they find out about the drug ring, and um, the drug ring thinks that... And you're out of time. All right, all right. Okay. Hey, come on, man. <laughs> you should have listened to me, man. You started way back. I'm almost, I've gotten pretty, I've done pretty well so far. You threw the, the first act, okay. Yeah, no, well, no, hey. He did the first two minutes. <laughs> basically I'm not what he selling covered. the script to you, I'm just... <laughs> All right, I'm just saying, I've kicked you out of the elevator by now. Um, uh, that was really only 30 seconds? That was 30 seconds. So the dro- So why are they trying to kill them? You're, that's what you're asking. Yeah, it's crime. because eventually he ends up trying to find out from his friend why you know his friend was involved with the drug smugg- drug smugglers, drug dealers, or whatever. Um, and uh, th- they see him. They see them when they're, they end up killing his friend with that scene with the helicopter. They come in, and so they think, that, oh, well, you talked to the cops. We've got to get the cops. You know, no loose ends or whatever. So the, the cops are loose ends. That's why they try to kill him. That's why they kidnap Danny Glover's uh, family. Okay, hold on, hold and uh, that uh, leads to the climax of the movie in which they um, rescue they rescue so, his daughter and they end up fighting on his lawn and they capture the bad guys so and one if, guy blows up in the car. And So if I can... Um, that's it. Can, if I can put it in a couple sentences, the whole concept is heroin guys think that Danny Glover and Murtaugh know too much and need yes. to wipe him out before they tell other cops about it. That would yep. be the last And what's, movie, what's yeah. interesting is they don't, I don't think they even know. They don't know the details of the drug trade, the drug drop off, okay. right? This is well, the, he this, knows enough. No, no, no. no this is the larger, I agree with Mike. And I think this is the, I think this is actually a big flaw in the movie, like logically. Um, so wouldn't it, isn't it dumb if you're not trying to call attention to your secret underground drug rig to end up flying up in a helicopter oh, yeah, that's dumb. and blowing up and, <laughs> and, and causing massive amounts of destruction, like calling only more attention to yourself to kill these two guys who don't really know a whole lot. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like it, I think there need, there's a missing piece of this movie where Danny Glover's character really hears information that could potentially incriminate these guys. And I don't think it ever really happens in a way. Well, they don't know that they're in the helicopter outside. <laughs> they don't know what's been, they don't know what's been said. I just feel like the pieces don't add up in a way that make a whole lot of sense. And I think Shane Black is actually guilty of this as a writer throughout his entire career. I think he's, I think Shane Black is really only interested in two things. I think he's interested in writing interesting characters that say badass things. That's mm. what Shane Black cares about. And then he doesn't really fill in the gaps of plot uh, in ways that make sense because I just saw I saw The Nice Guys it was one of my rare movies I've seen in a theater recently and that movie makes no sense plot wise it makes no sense yeah like, like if you boil down the plot it's just like none of what any of you are doing right now makes sense from a character perspective or but that feels like a movie that's doing that on purpose where i don't think but like i i and for me who's very like plot focused in movies i just i i have a hard time suspending my disbelief uh and you could argue that oh it's he's trying to send up pulp fiction from the 1940s or 50s so what was your takeaway from the nice guys uh, of that movie yeah that 
it's got some great moments, but ultimately does not hold up. Okay, I liked it. I, I feel like that movie has some great comedic Shane Blackie moments, but if you analyze that movie from a character and story perspective, it makes no sense. Like I, none, none of the actions that movie uh, hold up for me. So, I mean, it's just that kind of thing parlays, I feel like into lethal weapon. And it's really interesting and I'll shut up in a moment, I promise. But if you compare and contrast those two movies, how similar they are and like, thir- like he, Shane Black loves a dead woman with her top open. He loves it. <laughs> like it's his, it's his, she thing. wasn't like, dead. Well, I mean, she's about to oh, die. Yeah. He yeah. loves a hot <laughs> blonde or busty woman. She probably doesn't cover up after she's hit the car. <laughs> yeah. Um, because in the in the nice guys, the opening scene, like I'm not spoiling anything, the opening scene in that movie is literally a beautiful woman in L.A. Uh-huh. dying at night with uh-huh. her top open. Like uh-huh. that is the opening. Now I'm trying to think of the, the opening of every other Shane Black movie. He also loves. Definitely he, not Iron Man 3. <laughs> he loves Christmas as a milieu, which is in Iron Man 3 as well. Yes. It's in uh, Lethal Weapon. It's mm-hmm. in subtly in The Nice Guys, but The Nice Guys takes place around Christmas time. There are uh-huh. Christmas decorations and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So he loves Christmas. And he loves, um, he loves, and he loves characters that smoke cigarettes, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, no, no man makes uh, smoking look sexier than Shane Black. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to take up smoking after the nice guys, and I think smoking is deplorable. So, I mean, it's that kind of thing where um, he has certain things like obsessions, and you kind of see them play out in all his various movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Lethal Weapon is him kind of exploring those fetishes for the first time. Is yeah, I, right. Iron Man 3, in some ways, seems like the biggest departure for him. But it's so... But <laughs> Even it, though it has a lot of the same qualities he has in, in other movies. Yeah, I would argue it's very much a Shane Black movie. Well, it is, but I mean, it, it, it doesn't, uh, you know... Every other movie I can think of is uh, two adults. You know, even the Long Kiss Goodnight has you know it's a girl and guy. Um, well, shame you know, he still finds a two way. Two damaged to, adults. He, not, he he has a damaged adult in Tony Stark, and he's right. got that kid who right. is very much that playing off sidekick character. Right. And it's a very he, small portion. Of the and movie. that whole movie though is about Tony Stark uncovering a cover up mm-hmm. of a larger mystery, which is the basis of all Pulp Fiction and the basis of Lethal Weapon. It's the basis of Long Kiss Goodnight. It's the basis of The Nice Guys. It's the basis Mm -hmm. of all this stuff. So Mm -hmm. I think that is very interesting to see kind of how he revisits that same kind of stuff over and over again. But Mm -hmm. I've I've talked too much. So, um, Mike, what did you think about that? The black kid with the 3D goggles. How 80s was that? (laughs) (laughs) Was like every character in every movie, at least one character had to have 3D glasses on? Like who who else has done it? Back to the Future did it, right? Well, that wasn't the '50s, though. Were people in the '80s just wearing 3D? Go- Dave, tell me, because you're, you you grew up in that know. time. I don't know. Were you just wearing 3D goggles the entire time? Well, you know, you want to see in 3D, you better wear 3D glasses. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> uh, but I mean, this movie's uh, why, do, why do people wear anything in the '80s? Who knows? <laughs> well, I mean, Mel Gibson's hair belongs in a museum. Oh my god! Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've yeah. seen birds with less plumage than that hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's no doubt it's a mullet. It, it, he 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 does trim it uh, significantly in the second one, but it is very much a it's mullet. Majestic, but and, uh, no, it's not. It's not I wouldn't even weapon. say is it a mullet because it's not really like the, the classic short on tar- top. It's like just kind of like the shag. It's kind of well, like almost a, a holdover from the seventies. It's 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 uh it, it's what a mullet would look like if you actually got it. Uh, created by a hairdresser as opposed to just, or like, if you just doing, say, doing it doing it you know, having he your has, like um, he has like a lion's mane yeah or um, yeah. it's a bouffant he right a bouffant. yeah no, yeah the, the mullet I always I'm, I always classify is when you have it kind of cut short you know business in the front party in the back yeah yeah I, I, I agree it's more like he jew froed it out which is hilarious <laughs> because Mel Gibson hates Jews but um, yeah it's very love interesting the Jews. I, I was you know 
in watching this movie, and I watched it by myself alone, um, <laughs> crying. And I was watching, I was watching, yeah, as I usually do, with a pint of ice cream. And I was watching Mel Gibson, and I was thinking to myself, Mel Gibson at the time was considered a major heartthrob. Like he's, ta- we're talking about like sexiest man alive type yeah, thing. Yeah. Is he attractive in this movie, Dave? Did you? I'm sorry, Mike. Did you watch this with Queenie? At no, all? I didn't. Uh, I don't want to I'm know the answer curious. to that question. No, I'm very curious though. Do did like as a woman, and you separate yourself from who Mel Gibson has become right. now. Do you watch him in this movie? Is that is like is this an attractive man? I I yeah. would say as a straight man, and yeah. so I don't really know. But I would be like, Mike, yeah, that's that's a good to. looking man right there. <laughs> well, I mean, my 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 takeaway is I was like, I'm not really feeling it, Mel. What? Like I I just yeah, he's got. He's got like weird wrinkles on his face. No nah, man, and see that's the thing. Th- see, I that's think from all the smoking, just like Sean Penn. I don't know if women are into like pretty. Some, some actors end up just, like smoking themselves until they look ten years older. He he just looks manly and he looks like cool and relaxed. I don't think it's about like how pretty he looks, although the the hair does help with that a little bit. Well, I mean, they do call it out in the movie that Murtaugh's daughter finds him very attractive. Like yeah. it is, a, it's a plot point that he is supposed to be attractive. Like it, yeah. he's supposed to be a heart. Yeah, a I think I think that's film. very obvious. I don't know. And you, so you, okay, so. Oh, he's got. So Mike would have sex with he, Mel Gibson in the 80s. So uh, Dave, have would you have to take what, me on a couple dates? He has first. a classic, he's a short guy, but he has kind of a classically handsome face, oh, I would say. Okay, so you think he's classically handsome too. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, looking at, looking at him now, pictures of him, I mean, he, he does. I mean, he's got, he looks um, like a handsome guy. I mean, like, you know, he looks like, he looks older than he is. He looks dangerous. You know, I think a lot of. A lot I think, of, I agree with that. He does have a, he has a ferocity to his stare rawr. that. P- perhaps is what is probably what oh, I found the kid with the 3D glasses yeah that, yeah, it's, that's pretty wild it's pretty crazy man. yeah um, I don't know I mean I don't think that's really the point of the movie I mean I, I no think, not at all I think he I'm doesn't just, have to be uh, no, you know like yeah this is a podcast where we talk about whether movies hold up and I'm talking about whether his sex whether, his whether sex your appeal. penis has been held up by oh <laughs> whether or not his sex and we're done <laughs> we're done guys we, I, th- I don't think we need to do the podcast anymore and I the think, weapon is lethal <laughs> I think the podcast is over I think we finished good. it best, yeah. best scene in this movie guys what is the best what is your favorite scene in the movie even if you didn't even those who didn't really my favorite it, scene ironically is the fist fight in the lawn with the entire police department around him. What, there are no it. stakes to that fight at all. There is no reason for that fight to happen. It is the stupidest yeah. thing in the world. It's like, oh, you want to fight me out of pride? Go ahead. I'm a tough guy. I'm surrounded by 50 cops, armed cops. Yeah, it's like giving the audience its uh, one-on-one mono-we-mono so, like, how, moment. How sloppy and poorly written that it, Come on, at uh, least you, try. You heard the question, right? I asked you what your favorite scene of the movie was. Yeah, yeah it's my favorite scene. scene. It is my favorite scene because it's so stupid. Dave, okay. what's your favorite? My, wow, okay. My, my favorite scene I'm not is... sure what to make of that. My favorite scene is the gun raid scene. That's a classic Shane Blackie scene. The it's gun raid scene. The gun range scene. With oh, the that's, oh yeah, that, that, that's what I was going to say, yeah. That's my favorite. It's yeah. funny. It establishes yeah. the bond between... It's my, The only part of this movie I really like is those characters together. Yeah. It gives me that. And I think it's got a good payoff, a good punchline and payoff. So yeah. that's my favorite scene. Yeah, well... That's and I think even the way they shot that is, is great. Like when, when the target starts coming close enough where you can see what's going on, uh, Mel Gibson moves to the right to get in front of the camera, so you can't see exactly what's coming down. That like it's just it's it's smart. I like it. Yeah, and it's funny. All my favorite scenes in this movie have nothing to do with the larger plot, which I think is like I like the scene where he jumps with the guy, the crazy guy, off the rooftop. Yeah, yeah. Because I I think that's a great scene. What I, is that I, guy I, from? We've seen him somewhere else, right? He looks like the guy from. He looks like Robert. Do- 
Davy Dobby from the other Richard Donner movie we did, The Goonies. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I don't think it is. <laughs> Thanks, this, Dave. Good job. Well, I, I was, <laughs> cool story, bro. <laughs> cool story, bro. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to say. He's, he looks familiar, but I don't know who. He's the guy who wants to jump off the roof in Lethal Weapon. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting to me that anything with like the larger course of the plot, if there's anything with like them interrogating other bad guys, don't work for me. I guess the interrogation scene where he's being electrocuted is kind of cool, but I like when he escapes and yeah. does that. Was that the first stuff. time someone's neck has been broken with legs before? Like, did, did he start that trend? No, I think that's a Van Damme thing, right? Because Van Damme was like all about the. Well, buns. This would have been before Van Damme, I think. Uh, Pre Van Damme, I don't know. Man. <laughs> I don't know. For, I can't. I, I I have not researched. I mean, but but again, sure. th- this this fits into my theory perfectly that the eighties in the eighties cop slash action movies were the superhero movies of the, uh, the oh definitely, uh, definitely of this time. Uh, but yeah, like I I, I want to <laughs> say like so this is a movie that I feel like basically because you're calling him a superhero right and I think like he kind of uh, Mel Gibson anyways painted as a superhero right. What gives him his superpower is the fact that he's basically suicidal. Like, so that he's willing to put himself in situations that no one else would. Because he doesn't right, care. Right, he doesn't care. And I think actually he's secretly, like, there's this scene where he's like, come on, shoot me. Like, I want you to shoot me. Um, pre-quote, basically the Joker's quoting in Dark Knight, practically. <laughs> right. Come on, I want you to shoot me. But I think, like, that, that's what makes him powerful is that he kind of has a death wish. And he does, I think he does want to be killed because he can't do it himself. So it's like, I think his only way out is if he dies... Right, exactly. Yeah. So I feel like that gives him, and, I, and I'm like every other movie after this, it's almost like you kind of lose that cool story mechanic and that cool character thing, and now he just becomes like, oh, now he's just all he becomes is he's just a good sharpshooter now. Like that's it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's why for me the sequels aren't nearly as interesting, even though the second one is highly entertaining. Uh, the third and fourth one are just they're boring. You know? I haven't. I, I don't remember the third one at all. I couldn't tell you anything that happens in the movie. Fourth one's Jet Li, if I if I remember correctly, right? Oh, and, yeah. And yeah. that movie's um, I don't think it's very good, but it no, does <laughs> it does give Jet Li a very uh, he was a big um, presence in Asian cinema, but it gave him kind of like this American like stardom. Like his, yeah, uh, which is cred. funny because I because he was probably like in his forties at that point. He'd already had an entire career before getting like his I don't know about that old but yeah you're right he's not he wasn't a young man when he no. plays in that movie which is interesting um, but yeah I mean all in all I guess my final thoughts on Lethal Weapon is I think this is a movie that people remember fo- more fondly than it actually is and I think it's got those kind of, like here's the deal I think you could fast forward to those and then like skip everything else because I don't think that a lot of the other stuff completely holds up yeah. well I'm going to disagree with you and say that uh, yeah the story overall holds up and Ooh. uh and uh, but but it's not uh, you know it's one of those four star Ebert Roger Ebert reviews. I don't think it's a four star movie. I think it's a three star three and a half at the most. But yeah, I, I would say I've, I'm with Ivan on this one. I'm not. I wasn't particularly impressed okay. by it. Um, I, I think I think the best parts are Danny Glover and Mel Gibson like movie, doing their guys. thing. <laughs> <laughs> for the most no, but I mean, like, just like, like the scenes, not just them running around shooting people, like the action yeah, like, scenes, I, could, I, I don't could, really like, care too much. The entire chase sequence with cars, like, none of that does anything for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I will say that there's a pretty badass, like, that end fight scene is so stupid logistically, and I agree with you, Mike, it makes no sense. Um, and it's weird that they're like, yeah, this is, this is the best way to end this. Like, it's weird that that was, uh, that being said, there are some really cool choreography moments in that. In that fight sequence, like there's a sequence where um, the camera does this thing. I don't know if you, it's gonna be really hard to figure out what I'm talking about, but uh, he's got like his legs 
around Gary Busey's character and the camera tilts with him. And then when he slams Busey's character down, the camera tilts back. And it's a very subtle thing that the camera does that like totally sells that hit. And it's actually a very well shot sequence. So credit to Richard Donner. You know, it makes no sense, that sequence, but it is well constructed from a fight sequence standpoint, like of the actual blows and what the camera coverage is. So yeah, that is my take on that. Um, so yeah, uh, anything else you guys want to say before we close this one out? I, I think it, it's seriously, just real quick. I think Dave asked our favorite scenes. Not, not ironically. I think the scene with uh, Mel Gibson crying, I think, is actually the best scene in the movie by Definitely far. Definitely the most dramatic um, scene by far. All right. Yeah. Go. Yep. Um, I think there's something else I was going to say, but uh, I'm sitting here trying to think of a reason for that last scene not to be completely senseless but it's, you know it's hard to think of reasons why yeah it's it's like stupid you know what it is? it's like it's like the bully and all of his friends are picking on the kid at school it's like why would you do well, that that's it's more so like the bully's anyway. picking on the the bully who's been trapped i suppose i don't know <laughs> yeah but it's like i'm just saying like as far as like yeah okay real tough guy i mean <laughs> if you were if you're really trying to argue for why it works it's it's because it's not a plot moment it's a character moment and mel gibson needs to prove that he's better than this guy to, and to basically he overcomes his death wish at that moment. Yeah, I mean, it, it brings, I don't know, it brings the character some catharsis in some way. Yeah, ways, it, gives you know? him, it gives him a visceral catharsis right. in the rain. Very right. cliche. Uh, and in it, the fire hydrant. <laughs> in the, in fire, the fire hydrant. Whatever, fine, it's the rain. There's water falling on them, guys. That's rain in my head. Yeah, well, because a, a car hits it and, air, and water goes in the air 90 degrees straight <laughs> yeah. up in the air. It's got to okay. go somewhere. It doesn't Fair keep point. going. I'm, I'm going I'm, to space. I'm a terrible person. You're right. Okay, so, um, <laughs> yeah, closing out this episode. Uh, if you want to find us on the web, you can do so at reviewpodcast.com, facebook.com slash reviewpodcast. Give us a like, review us on iTunes, subscribe, all that crap that people do with podcasts. Um, yeah, so, Mike, what are we watching next uh, next time? Um, I, we, have a, we had a discussion off the air, and we said one thing, oh, God. but... Uh-oh. We're actually going to do Kiss Kiss what? Bang we, Bang. We, we what? just no, did. We just kiss did Lethal Weapon. Oh, boy. <sighs> but the, you, you made it sound so enticing. Well, it is a, you said Robert Downey Jr., and I'm like, how can I movie. not It is a good movie. I'd like do to do it? it eventually, but is this the Shane Black podcast now? We just talk about all Shane Black movies? Okay. Well, I, I, so you have to tell me, what, what did we even say we were going to do? Because I've already forgotten. Witness, that's right. Yes, great, great flick. <laughs> uh, and the connection being um, Danny Glover's in both of them. So oh, like, yes. <laughs> yes. And then next week we're doing Angels in the Outfield, and it'll become the Danny Glover oh, podcast. Yeah, that's... Fun fact, that was my first dose of Danny Glover. Oh, yeah, there you go. And it's that good. Everybody first... remembers their first dose of Danny Glover. <laughs> <laughs> so a- and no 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 time is quite like your first time there either. you go uh, Mike where can people find you on the internets you can find me uh, at MikeMirandi.com or on Twitter at MikeMirandi David where can oh, people hey, find wait, you hey wait we gotta check uh, Mike Mirandi's website to make sure it's working is it not menstruating is it oh it mens- is no it's is there it I mean I, I love the free advertising yes but it, ah, it's no it's longer menstruating not Dave. menstruating all right Great, great, good this job. Good. Mike. Is this a square pace temp- square space template? Square peg. Square yes, peg it is. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a template, but I went through great pains to make it not right. look like a template. But um, I, I will give a free plug to Squarespace. Very easy to use. Very clean. Very. Show nice. is not, not sp- sponsored fan. by Squarespace. This is the only podcast not sponsored by Squarespace. Um, 
Well, right, exactly. But they're giving. I mean, they'll give me a kickback sure. for that. Anyway. No, they won't. But anyway, give Dave, me, where can people nuts. find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Dave Glanz, G-L-A-N-Z, and DaveGlanzProductions.com. And you can find me at Lucky9Studios.com. That's my website. I released a short film since the last time we recorded that you can check out on Vimeo. Oh, the Wonder. Uh, it's a Wonder. Um, and you should check and that out. Wonder. It's on my website. Uh, you can find me at Twitter. Um, I'm at Ivan Kander. That's I-V-A-N-K-A-N-D-E-R. So. I say all kinds of witty things on there. So, yeah. And I'll, I'll say, actually, just real quick, I'm going to plug something else. I'm going to plug that short film. It's very well done. Check it out. I thought you were going to plug I your own Ivan short film. I was the best thing he's ever done, and he thought I was being <laughs> sarcastic. Like some sexual it. innuendo or something about plugging. <laughs> I'm going to plug no, something else. I mean, you can. Go for it. Go for um, it, Dave. But, yeah, so check that out. Um, yeah, until next time, guys. Dave's getting too old for this shit, and we're going to watch Witness. Speaking of jerking off. What? Speaking of jerking off with one uh, weapon. Let's do this.